my name's Todd. This is Kathy. Welcome back to another episode of Zen Parenting Radio. This is podcast number 585. Why listen to Zen Parenting Radio? Because you'll feel outstanding. And always remember our motto, which is that the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. On today's show, will you tease the topic, my darling? You're talking so slow. I know. I'm just trying to have a little bit more intentional energy versus... Got it. Yeah, don't do that. No. Don't make that sound. Uh, so happy February, everybody. Happy Emperuary. If you are listening to this on the day it comes out, it's February 2nd. Um, and we are in this month of love, which is February. We are going to talk about empathy volume, which we just made that up. Um, basically what empathy volume means that sometimes when it comes to empathy, we have to turn it up to stay connected, but then we have to have a dial in there where we may need to turn it down sometimes to avoid burnout. So throughout this month of February, we want to focus on, um, empathy volume and how we, um, relate to empathy and how we utilize it, experience it, um, make it a priority or how we, I don't like the word decrease. I just like volume, how we turn it down. How about reframe? Reframe it and maybe look at, look at it from a different angle so we don't end up being exhausted by our caring for other people. Mm -hmm. So, All right. So that's what we're going to talk about. A few quick takes. One is I'm happy to announce I cried today and I'm Yay. very proud of myself. Oh, that's not what I was trying that's to do. That's the wrong one. Um, so I had a men living board meeting this morning, great board meeting. And right at the very end, Frank, who's the co-founder, uh, had an idea for a programming thing that we want to do is have a meeting with our moms. Uh -huh. Cause last week we did, and it wasn't a public to all men living members. It was, uh, by invitation only. So I had a, we had meeting with our fathers. It was, I think eight of us with our dads and it was really interesting. And then Frank just kind of threw out this idea right at the very end, like we should have, we should do the same thing with our moms. And I got really sad and I started crying and, you know, I love these men that I'm on the board with. So I felt really safe to do that. But I just want to say, I tend to be really hard on myself, especially on this podcast of how I say that I'm not good at emoting and my emotional intelligence is delayed and blah, 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 blah. And at least for today, I had a good day. That's great. So I just wanted to, you know, talk about, and it's okay when I don't cry too, but it's just, this doesn't happen to me very often. So I just wanted to celebrate that with all of our listeners. I think that's wonderful. Um, and then the other thing, oh, let's so Zen Moment, you picked one. When did that come out? It comes out on Tuesday. So it comes out today. Yes. And it's called Strong Back, Soft Front. Uh -huh. And you had a quote at the beginning, as you always do. Uh-huh. Uh, from a Bette Midler song. It's a lyric. It's, it's a lyric. Not a quote, yes. Sorry about that. It's the heart afraid of breaking. So this is like 60 seconds. Do we want to play that much? Um, maybe just another line. You tell me when. Okay.
feel good? I that because I like that last line. It's my favorite. I always used to. I used to love that song when I was younger. Um, I what don't. A, what a melancholy, sad, beautiful song. Do you ever see the movie? No. What's What's the movie? The oh, Rose. Oh, it's called The Rose and Bette Midler. It was. It's a little like A Star Is Born. Okay. No, you know? I've never seen it. But that's like her big final song, and. Um, and, you know, obviously it's autobiographical or mm. not. Let me say that again. It's not it's not about Bette Midler. But in the movie, yeah. that song represents her character. Okay. But what I love is that line where it says it's the one that won't be taken. Like the person who so thinks they're so strong and covered up and nobody is going to take advantage of me. They can't give. Yeah. Because they're closed down. And so it's the one who thinks they're so strong and have it figured out that can't offer anything to anybody. Mm -hmm. And I always thought that those, I actually struggled with what, which verse to use in this Zen parenting moment. Cause all three verses of the song are super powerful. Like it's all written like poetry like yeah. that, but that's the one I chose because it's about the willingness, the, you know, the soft front and strong back is about, or strong back, soft front is about having the willingness to keep an open heart even when you've had painful experiences. It's the willingness to allow your painful experiences to make you wise and strong and aware and smart, but not closing yourself down. Because again, you know, the one who won't be taken is the person who's like, well, I've learned from my experiences. I and think I'm of it done. as a like armor exactly. that you put on. And yeah, you're safe inside that armor, Correct. but you're also not letting anything penetrate you. Mm -hmm. Right? Exactly. And, you know, if you get Zen Parenting Moment, um, you read that, you know, Joan Halifax, who is a uh, Zen teacher, um, she's the one who, you know, discusses this. This is where it came from. Since. Since she has discussed it, Brene Brown has talked about it, Elizabeth Gilbert has talked about it. So you've probably seen it in several places, but the first place I ever saw it was mm -hmm. from her. And it's just, she kind of, she, I think she calls it like this balance between equanimity and compassion. It's like, we have to, you know, it's this ability to be wise, but not allow our wisdom to make us afraid. Because I think that's the thing is... If we go through life and we have all these experiences and we say, I'm never going to let that happen again, then all of a sudden we start shutting down all these parts of ourselves. Like, well, I'm never going to open myself up again. I'm never going to tell the truth again. I'm never going to show up for someone again. And we shut down all these places and then we realize we're not giving or getting. We've shut down our ability to have relationship. Numb. Exactly. It's another version of numbness. Yeah. And But that person is often thinks they're so smart. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, and the reason that they're numb or they put their armor on is because they've been hurt in the past. Correct. So it takes courage to open yourself up and be vulnerable enough to get hurt again. Well, and that's the thing about the balance that she's saying is you're never, it's like forgiveness. I wrote about forgiveness last week and you're never going to forget what happened to you, but you can forgive it so you can move forward and you don't forgive the person. I got a bunch of emails after um, text emails and comments on the Instagram post about, but you know, why should I have to forgive this person that did this? Or why would I, why would I ever take the time to forgive this person? And I, I feel like I was really specific in the writing, but it's not about them. Mm. What you're doing is you're, you're- It's an act of self-love. Exactly. It's for you. Because just the way that the emails were written to me, you're so pissed off. Yeah. 
not at me, but you're pissed off at what happened and that's what's eating you alive, which makes that person that you're pissed off at have power over you. So what you're trying to do is cut that cord and stop giving them your power. Okay, so I didn't think I was going to talk about this, but I'm going to do a quick two minutes. This weekend, I was I had this opportunity to be in front of the TV by myself, which is very rare. So I got to choose whatever I wanted to watch. And so I watched this like thing on A&E about Elizabeth Smart. And it's Elizabeth Smart doing... So for those of you who don't know who that is, she was kidnapped when she was 14 years old by a man who broke into her house, put a knife to her neck, and had her basically as a a slave yeah. for, you know, um, for nine months. Yep. Okay. And basically she says the three words. She starts by in this like little, this A&E series, she says the three words that I can use to describe those nine months are terror, boredom, and rape. Mm. Those are my three words. She talks through the whole story. She tells the whole story, looking at the camera, and what why it was so powerful to me is I know it's one woman's story, but her willingness to, even the way she talks about the captors, she has cut that cord between herself and those two people. Mm She has, she knows what happened. She's not stupid. She hasn't she's, forgotten. She hasn't forgotten. She's a spokesperson for people who have been um, traumatized. She writes books. She does TED Talks. She she knows exactly what happened, but she has not allowed it to keep her in a place of fear. And I'm sure that's a daily work in progress, you know, and it's also been, what, 20 years since it happened. Well, and one of the things that she does is she talks about it. All the time. And that's the only thing that shame does not like. Shame does not like to be spoken about. So if you want to minimize, transform whatever shame you happen to be carrying, a good way to do that is to speak about it to somebody you trust. Exactly. So anyway, I was getting off track with um, talking about you know strong back, soft front, but it's a very similar thing in that your willingness to allow your experiences to make you wise and then your willingness to keep your heart open. I, I, my last sentence is this is how we stay alive mm. because I think people can die before they die, yeah. which is I'm not going to offer myself anymore. I'm not going to invest. I'm not going to feel. So maybe you're physically alive, but you're emotionally dead. Yeah. And so the way we stay alive is through those two ways. So if you're interested in getting these twice a week Zen parenting moments... Yeah. Can I say moments? I don't know. You like Zen parenting moment. I always call it, it's, it's Zen parenting moment, but if you're getting more than one, I guess it's Zen parenting moments. Scroll on the show notes that you're listening to this on your phone, I'm guessing. Just scroll scroll down a little bit or scroll up whichever way and just click on that link and it's three boxes, first name, last name, email. That's, That's it. it. So we'd love mm-hmm. to have you subscribe and then pass it, to, pass it along to people that you think may want to hear a little bit about strong front. Strong back, soft front. It comes on Tuesday and Friday. Yes. Um, Okay, so let's jump into the main focus of today. All right. So today, as we already said, we're talking about empathy volume. And today, this week, we're going to talk about mindful caring. Okay, so what, what do we mean by mindful caring? Mindful caring is about being thoughtful about what you care about, Mm -hmm. okay? Being present with what you care about. And so in this case, this is a turning the empathy volume up situation. Oh, I got sound for that, sweetie. Oh, great. (laughs) 
Do you know who sings this song? Uh, okay, I can see it. I can see the video. Pump up the volume. It's not Technotronic, is it? I have no idea. It says Mars, M-A-R. Oh, wait, that's right. Is yeah, that the name that of the is, band? That is, yes. And then the whole video is like 1960s yeah, space footage. just floating around. Yeah, yeah so yes, um, so good. Thank you. Um, I'm the sound guy. Yeah, good, good sound effect there. So anyway, this is the ability to become more conscious of what you want to care about. And because Todd is my partner, and when we're talking about something together, it's easier if we kind of collaborate and that we talk about the way I see things and the way he sees things, because I like to talk about things a little more open-ended, but he likes pragmatism. Yes. So love it. Tell me what to do. <laughs> and then I will fill out the bullet points. So we're going to call this under mindful caring, the three threes, the three threes, the three threes. It's easy to remember. Okay. So basically that means we are going to figure out three ways to care for ourselves. Okay. That's the first way to turn up your empathy volume. Then we're going to focus on three things that we want to care about that we think are the most important cuz it's so funny if if I'm talking to someone and I say what means the most to you? What do you want to care about? They'll list yeah. some things. And then when we look at their day, they're really not caring about those things. Yeah, they say one thing but they do something else. And then the third one is what do you not want to care so much about? What's the, what are the three things you don't want to care as much about? And so this is three things, each with three things underneath it. So there'd be nine for those of you keeping track at home. If you're doing some multiplication. And if you want to have fun with us, we're just kind of riffing here. And the, and the truth is, you guys all know this. I really don't care if you do it this way. This is just the way we're going to explain it. Like mm -hmm. I, I was saying to Todd that um, one of the most important things whenever we're discussing something as a prag in a pragmatic way is I want to talk about how people have different tendencies, how, you know, for those of you who read uh, Gretchen Rubin's book, uh, The Four Tendencies, there's four different ways that we hear or process. Um, and depending on who you are, you hear things differently. So we've done shows about this before. You, you may have looked up the shows that we did, but there's four, according to Gretchen Rubin, there's four different ways that we experience things, either as number one, an upholder, which is just tell me what needs to be done and I'll do it. Yep. I, that's probably you. That's me. Number two is a questioner who wants justification and wants to be able to figure out why this is important, when this is important, who said it was important. That's me. I'm a questioner. Number three is an obliger, and that's somebody who needs accountability. They need somebody to hold them accountable. So they're they're more influenced by outside. Like, for example, if they can't, they're not going to work out by themselves, but if they have to go somewhere and meet a partner, they don't want to disappoint that partner. Yep. So they'll show up. And then the last one, which I'm super close to being, but I think I'm more of a questioner, is a rebel, which wants the freedom to do things their own way. So if you're a rebel and you're listening to this, do this whatever way you want to, but we're going to kind of put it under the structure of an upholder um, with a little bit of questioning and accountability so everybody can hear it in their own way. Yep. So anyway, so Todd. Yes. Let's start this way. So you're going to have to, I'm going to kind of put you on the spot. Bring so it, bring it. If we're talking about self-awareness and caring for ourselves is the first thing we need to do yeah. to turn up our empathy volume, what would you say are, and you can go beyond three if you want to, I know you're an upholder and you want to stick to it, but what are the things you do during the day 
to make yourself a priority so you can be in a good shape to be empathetic toward others. <clears throat> so there's two things that popped to me when you brought this up to me just a few minutes ago. One is uh, I consider myself a very, very non... Uh, dedicated journaler. Okay. I don't like journaling. Mm -hmm. So a few weeks ago, I bought a book called The Five Minute Journal. Mm -hmm. And it's literally that. Like it's, it takes you five minutes at the most to fill it out. So just in the last few weeks, I have been filling that out pretty much dedicated to it um, in the morning and then right before I go to bed. So that is one. So do you like journaling better now that you have that? I feel um, it, it helps me frame my days better. So yes, I do feel better as a result. If you gave me just an open notebook, I wouldn't be doing it. I like, I'm an upholder, like, because there's prompts, they, mm -hmm. they give me prompts. So anyways, so one act of self-care for me mm -hmm. to become the best version of myself is to do this five minute journal. So I've been doing that for a few weeks. So that's the first thing. Can, can I stop sure. you there? So why, for those people listening who are like, okay, why is that going to help you have a better day? What's the point? Um, it's, it's an intention setter because mm -hmm. it even asks, what are, what are three things that you want to do today? Mm -hmm. And some of it's, I want to laugh more, or mm -hmm. some of it's like, I want to complete my email that's backed up on like whatever it is, you can put whatever you want, but it's, it's an intention creator. Plus there's a lot of affirmations on it. So it's just, you know, it's just a, a quick, easy way for me to check in with myself, which is something I rarely do. So it sets the intention for your day. And it's if it's the first thing you do when you wake up, then it's a lot better than maybe, or even if you looked at your phone first, it's a good way to get away from your phone and focus on yourself again. Yeah. I okay. do, what I do is I, I do my two or three minutes of filling it out in the morning, and then I do my 10-minute meditation, and then I'm off to the races pretty much. All day. All day. And then at night, it's um, it's a few prompts. And it's, you know, what did what did you get done today that you're happy about? What could have made today even better than it was? So it's kind of like almost, um, you know, trying to help you see the things that you didn't get done and how can you, that might carry into the next morning. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, I wanted to work out today. I didn't. I would have felt better about myself if I would have worked out. So then I'll put it for my intention the next morning. It's yeah. just a way to just think and and that i for me all this stuff happens in my head always has always will but i have the belief that something magical happens when you put it outside of your head and put it down on paper and it, i also believe to add to that that it makes a difference that you're using your hand to write yes versus type it into the versus phone. typing like i i struggle with this with my students because I have them every semester, they have to do a gratitude journal every day. And there are a lot of my students and some of them have reasons why they use their computer over, you know, they have special circumstances. But for those that don't have special circumstances who say, I'd rather use my computer, I'm like, please. This is not the process yes, to use your computer. Please use a pen and pencil just for this small thing. Because I understand it doesn't go as fast for people who, see, our generation is used to cursive. Sure. Where my students, a lot of them didn't learn cursive, so writing takes time. But even that in itself is good because you're being thoughtful about mind to hand yeah, to it's pencil. It's like a mind-body connection it is, thing, more yes. so than your fingertips on a keyboard. Exactly. So I have one other, but I want you to share one of yours. No, keep going. Go through yours. So the only other one that I have that I just came up with is to celebrate when I emote. And I just did that to however many people oh. are doing it. You know, they're, you know, I don't know, maybe a year ago or two years ago or 10 years ago, I'd have been um, embarrassed. <laughs> for her admitting that I cried. And now I'm like just screaming from the mouth. Well, I don't even think you would have been conscious of whether you did or didn't. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, I, I think if you would have cried, you probably wouldn't have been 
you just, that wasn't a thing you did. No, right. Do you know what I mean? Like, I guess you wouldn't have, if you did get upset, you wouldn't have allowed yourself to get upset. And if you did get upset, you wouldn't think about it as, I don't know if you'd be hard on yourself. You just wouldn't think much about it. So, yeah. So I guess another way of saying, instead of saying celebrate when I cry, it'd be like celebrate my wins. Celebrate when I feel like I... Um, Making my, progress. Yeah, I'm, I'm having some type of growth mindset, whatever it is. So it would be because a lot of times what we do as human beings is, you know, the minute we win something, what's the next thing? Ugh. It's always like, what's the next it's thing? the worst. So I just want to sit in this moment and say, I had an emotive expression this morning through sadness and tears, and it felt great. I even said in the moment, I told the guys because it was a Zoom meeting, I said, I feel so blessed to be able to share this with you guys. Because one one of my pet peeves is, and this happens all the time, and when I'm on a retreat with guys, they'll start crying, and then they'll say they're sorry. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. Please don't say you're sorry. But it's a natural impulse. Like, yeah. it's one of those things that I know frustrates you because you work on it. Yeah. But women do it, too. Sure. They'll say sorry. Yeah. And it's because society has told us to apologize. And I'm so like, no, that's the magic. Well, and, you know... At the end of, um, oh, from last week, you know how the, we did a show about messages and arrows and I did a Zen parenting moment about messages and arrows, which is basically that emotions mm -hmm. are our messages and our arrows because they give us information and they also point to what's most important. That's why I use those two words. And the last line um, of the Zen parenting moment is about that what Mr. Rogers said, which is, you know, for so long people have been saying, don't cry. And really, we've been saying that because it makes us uncomfortable. Yeah. But what if we instead said, go ahead and cry. I'm here to be with you. Yep. Like, what a big impact, what a difference that would make in not only our own humanity and our ability to experience empathy and to relate, but in the person who needs to cry. They don't have to stuff it. They don't have to pretend they're not feeling it. They don't have to be embarrassed. Um, it would just be such a nice release. Do you know what this is? This is Don't Cry by Asia. Very good. And Asia always had the coolest posters. Did they? And a fast forward. So, Todd. Todd. Yeah, babe. This is a great introduction to our two hit wonders. Oh, my God. I forgot <laughs> all about that. The two hit wonders. you come up with this? I loved, I had a 45 uh, of Asia and I think on one side it was this and on the other side it was heat of the moment. So, but that's my question. Are you sure? No, Because those sure. were their only two hit songs. So I don't think their producer or their so record label. Let's put our two best yeah, songs on the same 45. So. so Todd and I were going through, we were driving through Portillo's on Friday night and we were talking about I said something about one-hit wonders, and Todd said, I'm tired of talking about one-hit wonders. What about two-hit wonders? So we tried to come up with some on our own, mm -hmm. and then I'm just like, okay, this has to be a thing. So I Googled it, and of course, there really are, like Rolling Stone has made lists of two-hit wonders. Yep. Now, I think Asia is a perfect example. Like I think that, so, too. Because obviously, heat of the moment, and yeah. even though I would have had a hard time coming up with Don't Cry, but that is perfect. Yes. Okay. And um, so the other ones, we were going through the list and it was a little frustrating because Todd would know the first one yeah. and he wouldn't know the second one and I'd sing it for him and he'd be like, no, that's, that wasn't a hit. And it was a hit. And if I, I did. So, so just my example was, uh, 
Irene Cara, is that her name? Irene Cara. She did Fame and Flashdance. Correct. Everybody knows those two songs. Sure. You would come up with these different examples where it would one one be one obvious one. Do you have the list in front of you or no? I, I remember a few of them. Like, aha, it was Take On Me and The Sun Always Shines On TV. Right. And the second one is not a hit. But it is a hit. And it just depends. It, first of all, what's the definition of a hit? That like, I know it, that okay, I've heard of see, it. See, and that's not the definition of a hit. It's, is it in the top 10 or did it hit close to yeah, number one? Right. And the thing is, is you, I was like, and even though, again, I'm trying to give you props for that last song you played, because the fact that you would be so able to pull up, keep don't cry. giving me props. But I also always say to Todd, where the hell were you in the 80s? Like, how do you not know this song? How do you not know this band? And I, my answer is I was wrestling, playing Dungeons and Dragons, listening to Pink Floyd. Right. And so and working at Dominic's but bag then of groceries. My question is, do you really think you have the right to decide who a two hit wonder is? Yes, because everybody knows flash dance and fame, regardless if you were playing D and D in the basement or not. So like I think one of them was like Men Without Hats, which yeah, you got that's a safety perfect dance. One hit wonder. But then Pop Goes the World was a big it. song. People and again, not everyone is gonna know it, but there's gonna be a vast majority of people who know that song. Now, was it as big as the safety dance? Probably not, but it was still a hit. Do you know what I mean? I understand what you mean. And I guess it, a, a good way to compare this, I'm going to okay. go ahead and play this hit that you're talking about okay. uh, in a second, is maybe Safety Dance was number one on the top Correct. 40. And, and kind of like lasted longer in the zeitgeist, and right? And Pop Goes the World maybe got to 10 or something like that. Okay. song so far by the way. Well it hasn't even begun. Alright. 80s has long intros. Sweetie, this is not a hit. Okay, to you. This is this gets into where were you and were you listening to music and you know maybe that song isn't on my playlist, but it's a week ago and we want to this is a hit. <laughs> oh, wait. What? I'm looking at the article that I was referencing on Friday night, and it actually said, so like, for example, the Rembrandts was on there. Yes. So we have I'll Be There For You, right? Of course. It says in 1995, it was number 17. Okay. How did it not get higher? I don't know. Okay. And then the other one, Just The Way It Is Baby. Mm-hmm was 1990 and that was number 14. Yeah, that's so crazy. So it was actually higher. So again, for you to say it wasn't a hit. You're right. Right. There's flaws in my system. Right. It doesn't. And then I'll do one more um, that people might like. Let's see. How about general public tenderness, 1984. It was popular. And then I'll take you there it was 1994. Wow. It took another 10 years. To get that song out there. Yeah, I don't know any of those things. And then some of them are bad. Um, Cutting Crew, we argued about this because I played the song for you and you go, I've never heard it. So Cutting Crew, Died in Your Arms, 1986. I've heard of that. Which was number one. And then I've Been in Love Before was the next year, number nine. Never and, heard of that. Yeah, well, that's that's unfortunate because I loved that song. Of course. You know, I'll, I'll scroll through the radio stations <laughs> with my sweetheart. And it doesn't matter if I'm on XRT or 93.9 or 97.1, you'll be like, oh, I love that song. <laughs> it's because you know all the songs. And then you'll be like, seventh grade, seventh grade gym class. I'm like, what are you talking about? 
Why gym class? I don't, I don't know. I was just making class. stuff up from high school or right. grade school. Because that's how memory works, is why do I love this song? I, because I heard it at homecoming sophomore year, right. because my friends and I danced to it junior year. So safety dance, what do you got? You know... I don't remember what year. I, I know this. I think the song, like there are some songs that have been so, like say you turn on an 80s station right now. Okay. Safety Dance is like in the rotation, sure. right? So it's kind of like that song has, it, it didn't, I'm better at the the hits that were only a hit yeah. for a certain amount of time because then it got ingrained into my brain. Got it. So Safety Dance, I have no idea what year that came out. Take On Me by AHA. Um, I know that. What that was that? my freshman year of high school. Because I, I, yeah, my, and, yeah. And, and I'm like, I, I don't know if that came out when I was in fifth grade or a senior year in high school. Yeah. I have no idea. Yeah, I know that. And because I have a specific memory of it. All right, we, let's get back. Okay, let's get back. Okay. Thank you for taking that detour with us, everybody. <laughs> we, it's important. It okay. Is. So let's go back to what we were talking about with the empathy volume. So we talked about three things we need to care for us, you know, ways we need to care for ourselves. Okay. So self-care. Yeah. So, I mean, I, you know, I could go through a list very similar to Todd. I journal every morning. Um, I do it differently than he does. I actually use a notebook and just write, you know, and that's just kind of the way I do it. I use it more like morning pages. For those of you who know the artist way, Julia Cameron, I do morning pages. Um, I also meditate. I, um, I, got a Peloton for Christmas yes, and I love the Peloton. So that's a way, and I do yoga. So now when I say those things, I'm not super rigid about it. Meaning sometimes if I have to get up early for something else, I'll go do that and then maybe meditate a couple hours later. Like I'm not, I don't like structure where if you break it, your whole day is screwed. Yeah. Like I really- You don't like guilt or shame to creep in. It's I'm like, not a you want to hold it loosely. Exactly. So there's that middle place for the people who are like upholders, like Todd, um, you can meditate at night. You could exercise during the middle of the day. Like I like to get it done in the morning, but if I don't, I just like, I'm being repetitious. Like Todd said, I don't like to beat myself up. But I think that having some of those structures in place allows me to get up feeling like I already accomplished something that's worthwhile and not accomplish, like check it off my list, but like it really is making a difference in how I experience myself and the day. Like when I meditate, um, which that's a whole process in itself, but like right before I'm done, I read from a book, like a quote, you know, that kind of sets the foundation. And then in my bathroom, I have a, a, you know, calendar that has a quote and, and all those little things just kind of make me feel like I've already done something today that's good for me. And then, you know, and that can be drinking a smoothie too. Well, you know, there was that Navy guy who had some talk that went viral and it was called like, make your, make bed, your bed, make your bed in the morning. And they're like, I think there's like research that if you make your bed in the morning, mm-hmm. you are probably going to have a better day because you've already done something. You've exactly. already accomplished something. Uh, McRaven was the one. McRaven. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. And JC had to read it for a class. Mm. It's called Make Your Bed, Little little Things That Can Change Your Life and Maybe the World. Yeah. And again, some people might say, oh, maybe the world. We're always you know, saying that tagline. You. This is why self-care with empathy comes first, because you take care of yourself. This is so like redundant. We talk about this all the time. You take care of yourself, then you have something to give. You fill your water so you can pour some water. Like, so for those people that wake up and say, no, I just, I, you know, make breakfast for everybody else and I clean my kids' rooms and I do everything for them. 
you're going to be running on empty most of the time. Can I bring something else in real quick? Uh-huh. So we did a Zen talk on Friday. It was Zen talk number 111. And the three topics we discussed, so listeners asked us live on Zoom uh, some what our thoughts were about some things that they're challenged by. School refusal, family members disappointing us, mm-hmm. and hitting toddlers. And it doesn't... Not hitting toddlers, toddlers who Toddlers hit. who hit, yeah. <laughs> that would be a whole different ballgame. Yeah. So I say that because it really, you know, talk about three separate things. School refusal, fam- when family members disappoint us, and when our little toddlers hit others... Like there are three very separate issues, but where cat, you know, sometimes I annoy myself. I'd be like, what are you, this process is all happening inside of you. Mm-hmm. Like your experience of this is so much more meaningful than going out and fixing whatever problem happens to be having right now. So it's just what you just said is the foundation for all of our problems. Mm-hmm. Fill our own cup up. Mm-hmm. And we've been saying this on, Zenta, on on the first podcast we ever did, mm-hmm. and we're probably going to say it on the last podcast we ever do. It's the it's it's the in twenty forty five in twenty forty five. It's it's what it's the foundational thing that we have to do mm-hmm. so. as parents and as coworkers and as partners and as human beings. Yeah. Like so, you know, Zen Parenting Radio is obviously about these specific years where we have these kids in our house and we're raising them. Um, but it's true, you know, I have my college students listen to this show. Um, we have, um, you know, grandparents who listen to this show, people who have chosen not to have children who listen to this show. It's kind of irrelevant, um, meaning you bring people in because of parenting, but it, the same thing holds true yep. no matter what stage of life you're in. So, um, so let's move to the next thing. All so, right. because we talked about there's three things yep. and three things underneath it. So, the first one is, you know, self-care as we already did. The second one is what do you want to care about? So what are the three most important things? And maybe if you can, Todd, put them in order knowingly, meaning like if you can, if you feel like they all kind of line up. Well, next to I other. haven't had much time to think about it. So two pop to mind. Okay. And one might seem cheap or easy for me to come up with, but I said, sweet, my sweetie. Okay. Thanks, baby. And it's just because I sometimes uh, get off track on prioritizing what's most important. And it usually most often is Kathy and I having a heavier discussion and it's okay that that's going to happen again at some point, but I just kind of, my priorities shift and I'm like spending too much time thinking about this or work or myself and I'm I'm forgetting about the most important person aside from myself and my life is my life partner. So I'm intentionally, I feel like I've been doing a better job of connecting with you deliberately since we had that kind of uncomfortable, at least uncomfortable for me, talk a week ago or two weeks ago, whenever that was. Plus 10 years. Plus 10 years. We do it like every couple months. Yes. Um, so that, so that's my first one is I want to care more about my connection with you. Thank you. I want to, I, there's a quote that keeps coming to me. It's from Grey's Anatomy. What I keep it? wanting to say, pick me, yeah. choose me. Yeah. Can you find that sound effect? I can try. Yeah. You find it while I talk about mine. Okay. Um, so I would say similarly, I would say, so it's interesting because we're saying three things. Um, and I said to Todd, you know, we could literally put people's names. Like I could say, and that wouldn't be enough because I have three children. I could say Todd and then my three girls could be those things, or we could put it number one relationships. Mm -hmm. So it could be 
everybody, you know, yeah. like all of our, that we want to make our relationships number one. So obviously my most important relationship is with Todd. So that is my number one priority for sure. And the for several reasons. Number one, because he's my life partner and I'm laughing because we have a joke in our house where Todd was explaining to the girls how our relationship is priority. And of course they were like, kind of like, no, it should be us. And he's like, I have to love you guys. Yeah. He's like, your mom is just some lady. Yeah. And that's <laughs> probably not going to land well with most of you, but I, my bl- my blood is in my daughter's blood. Like it all kind of fits yeah, they're, together. They, right. They're part of who I am. Whereas you grew up in DeKalb, Illinois. You're some lady I met at college <laughs> and it's, it's, uh, you have to choose it every I'm, day. I'm almost like more proud of my love for you than my love for my daughters mm-hmm. because there's like a biological thing that happens with our kids. And I don't think that biology happens with our life partner. It's more like, it's more... Choosing. Choosing. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I, I 100% agree. And I just love that because the girls would be like, remember, mom's just some lady. Yeah, that's how I always... <laughs> Mom's a lady. But yes, so I would say... I found it. Okay, go ahead. This is... Unfortunate way that makes me hate you. Love you. So pick me. Choose me. Love me. I'll be at Joe's tonight. So if you do decide to sign the papers, meet me there. Oh, Meredith... I have no idea what's going on there. He has to choose between the ex and Meredith. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Um, so that's like early Grays. Yeah. For those of you who are like way into Grays, that was like 80 years ago. Um, so anyway, but I would pick, if I had to pick and choose, I would choose obviously Todd in my relationship with him. And then um, my children um, maintaining my, and when I say maintaining, like that's daily. I love the word maintain Mm -hmm. rather than I'm going to create a relationship with them. And now I'm done. You're maintaining a relationship with your partner or maybe nurture, nurture. Yeah. Yeah, Maintaining sounds a little worky. Nurture is better because you're like trying to continue to feed it and to make sure that you're showing up for it in present time, you know, rather than taking care of your kids the way you did when they were 10, but now they're 15, you have to show up for them as a 15 year old, meaning they are now 15. Um, So many of us are using such outdated parenting solutions because we've forgotten our kids have grown up. (laughs) We're like not paying attention to how old they are. And then of course, you know, you and the girls are, you know, most important. And then, you know, making sure that I'm seeing my mom and spending time with my mom and my sister and my aunt and my brother-in-law and my niece and nephew and all my nieces in Seattle and, you know, your sister and, you know, like uh, my best friends, um, my relationships are the most important thing. I actually wrote, um, something a while ago. I've never posted it, but I was, I had talked about how when I was working in an office, this was like when I was more in education, um, and I would be working, doing all the things I'm supposed to be doing, but my phone would ring. This was before we had like phone, you know, our phones, this was like the mid nineties and it would be a a girlfriend and they needed help with something. Mm. And I'd be at work and I'd maybe talk them through it and we'd be done. And I'd feel like my day was complete. Mm. So my day never felt good just doing my work. I felt like I needed to make a relationship connection. Here at two. I know. 
Um, that's my Enneagram number. And again, that can get out of balance too. Again, we're talking about empathy volume. If the whole day I'm searching for ways to help other people and not help myself, that can, my empathy volume needs to be turned down. But, um, anyway, so. So my other one, you ready for my other one? Yes, let's hear it. Um, Black History Month. Um, I feel like sometimes, you know, my pattern is, yeah, like I honor the month and I do certain things to honor it, but it's kind of half-assed. So mm-hmm. I, I'm judging myself in this now moment. So I'm, I want to continue to inform myself um, regarding Black History Month, some of the resources that are available, like Dax Shepard has a podcast and he just mm-hmm. Robert uh, Livingston. interviewed Robert Livingston. Mm-hmm. I listened to that. I was actually planning to play some of that on today's podcast, but maybe we'll do it at another one just because this is slightly different. But yeah, I, I just want to continue to work that muscle of, you know, Becoming racially aware. Yeah, racial justice, all that. So, And he, you know what I loved about that interview with um, Robert Livingston was talk about uh, having something where you can really discuss it specifically. He has that acronym PRESS. I got it right here. Yeah. So will you say what each of them are? So first of all, the title of this this is a blog off the Harvard Business Review, but he just wrote a book on it. I don't know the name name of the book. I'll I'll find that. Mm -hmm. But it's how to promote racial equity in the workplace, but he came up with an acronym called PRESS and their stages, which organizations must move through to promote racial equity. And the first one starts with a letter P and it's problem awareness. Number two is root cause analysis. Mm-hmm. Number three is empathy. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Or level of concern about the problem and the people it afflicts. Number four is strategies for addressing the problem. And lastly, the fifth one is sacrifice. And one thing he said in the interview is people like to just to skip over to strategy. Absolutely. Like, I don't want to do all the work. Just tell right. me what to do. They don't want to do the inner self-aware, all the stuff we talk about on this show, which is you have to do the internal investigation before you get to the strategy. Yeah. It's But Todd, can't we, you know, isn't that the experience we have in that people will say to us, tell me what to do with my kid. And we'll say, did yes. you figure out your own energy? Yeah. What happened with you today? What was your childhood like? And they'll say, I don't want to do that. That's not what I'm talking Just about. Tell Help me, me what to do get with my, my kid. kid to start sharing with their siblings. Like it's, it's, if you skip over all the work that precedes that, you might fix it short term, but there's going to be some type of recycling of the issue unless you really address the root cause of it. So uh, Robert Livingston's book that he, you know, on this podcast that we're talking about, it's called The Conversation, How Seeking and Speaking the Truth About Racism Can Radically Transform Individuals and Organizations. What I loved about the final S that he talked about, which was sacrifice, um, because again, in that acronym press, is he said, I actually put quotes around the word sacrifice because that word can be so loaded. Like people are like, I'm out if Mm -hmm. I have to sacrifice. He's not talking about that you have to like give up huge things. He's talking about what's your willingness. Like, you know, we were just talking about self-care. We'll just make it about that for a second. Like, are you willing to get up 15 minutes earlier to write? to do your journaling. Like the sacrifice would be that 15 minutes of sleep that you, so he's like, he puts it in air quotes just so people don't like say, well, I'm not willing, you know, because these are all things that we can do um, if we are willing to look through a different lens of how this will help me in the long run. And so that's what he's saying to individuals and organizations is your willingness to go through these steps and stages will benefit not only you, 
your business, but the world. And I want to just invite any men that are out there. Men Living is doing a workshop this month. I'm not sure if it's going to be on the 17th or the 24th. It's going to be given by Eric Treese, and it's about Black History Month and multiculturalism. Great. So if there's any guys out there, just sign up for the newsletter. You'll be informed of when it is by just uh, going to that sign up, and that will be in the show notes. Just scroll up, and you can click on it. I have a question. I'm putting you on the spot again. Sure. So for these things, that men, because Men Living is offering a lot of different things right now, when they are things that are not about, like, for example, this racial justice, like, could women come to these things or are you guys still like, no? Um, as of right now, see, the workshops are a little bit different. So my, my initial response is, for now, it's it's just for the guys, because the workshops, we try to do exper- experiential and, you know, sharing with each other and all that. So as of right now, it's for the guys. Okay. That might I just change. feel like, well, what you could do is I understand some things need to be specific yeah. to men because of maybe the vulnerability and the experience or just the way it's set up. Yeah. But some of these workshops and teaching opportunities, I, you know, it, and could, again, be just it could be a, for equ- everybody. Equally valuable to the women. You get more people. Women yeah. can learn just as much from it. Like I don't look at racial justice as being gender specific. No. There, there are gender issues yeah. within it. But couldn't we all learn from talking about multiculturalism? Yes. And I think you would bring in more people. But that is that is just me. Um, for now, what I would, because most of our listeners are female, so I know you you all can't sign up for it as of right now. But what you can do is just forward our information to a man in your life because we're doing some incredible stuff. And we would love to increase our awareness and help guys connect with themselves and each other. And I will continue to encourage you guys to... Um, do that because that's super important and then open up that space for all all genders. Yes. Um, okay, so let's go to that. So do we feel complete with that? Like what do you want to care about? Yeah, I and do because we're 45 minutes in. So. Yeah, Todd's like, if we're 45 minutes in, that's all I care about. So <laughs> I guess the point is, is what I will say though, is Todd and I are sharing some of the things like I'm talking about relationships are most important to me. Um, Todd is talking about specific people. Um, but one of the things we were discussing upstairs is how some days these what you care about most may need to change. For example, there are times that I go away for a couple of days to write. And on those days, the most important thing to me is writing. Mm-hmm. And I don't feel guilty about that. I don't feel like that that I'm dropping the ball on people. I am I am um, consciously changing what's most important today based on what's happening in life. So one thing I want to say is for those of you who go through these stages that we're talking about of like, these are my three self-care things. These are the three things I care about the most. Those can change. Like, don't get so stuck that it – like, they may, you know, change in this one's my number one today. It was my number three yesterday. That's okay. For those of you who are like, no, I, I like the plan. I'm sticking, I'm an upholder. I'm sticking to this. That's fine too. But I like fluidity in these kind of things. I like to have the ability to um, be present with what's happening. So focusing on what you care about most may depend on the day. Yeah, for oh, sure. Okay. So let's go to the last one. What do you want to care about less? And why I'm saying this one, why this is important when we're talking about mindful caring and turning up our empathy volume is what's taking up so much space that we can't care about the things we love the most in the best way. Sure. Yeah. So my um, very obvious answer is I just wrote something for our Men Living blog and the title of it was called People Don't Care About Me and Why That's Good News. Mm, Yeah, that was good. So my answer is what I want to care less about 
is seeking out the approval from others. Mm -hmm. And what I went on to say in the blog was, I go through my day thinking that people care about what I do, how I do it, a lot more than they actually do. We're Mm -hmm. all watching our own movie, yet my ego wants to convince me that everybody cares what I look like, what my hair looks like, what kind of car I drive, what kind of house I have, like all the these lies that our ego is trying to convince us that is important. So it's kind of an esoteric answer, but what I want to care less about is approval from others. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Because what I do is I outsource that and the quality of my day is based upon how sometimes how others perceive me and it's just a racket and my ego loves that and it's not, it does not serve my highest good. And this is the thing is when we're talking about what do we want to care about less, it doesn't mean we don't care about it at all. It just means we want to turn down the volume on it. Like, of course we care about that. We're going to be kind to people because we want people to consider us kind. And, Mm -hmm. you know, there's ways to care that I do care what people think, but in Todd's situation, he was letting what other people think be too much of a pressure. It it took way too much of my energy and my attention. And it, it compromises my energy. Like Mm -hmm. if I'm really worrying about what other people think, then, then I'm going to have less energy during the day. And there's a pendulum there because it doesn't mean like you're like, well, piss off. I don't care what anybody thinks about me. That's not what I'm talking Mm -hmm. about. I'm talking about these self-created stories that other people care about all these different things. Or that they're watching you. Or that they're watching me. And you know, we've, it's a pattern that I think most of us struggle with and have struggled with since our ego started showing up when, you know, we started realizing that when I was two years old, this toy was mine. I had possession. But before that, you know, our ego didn't, yeah. our ego didn't have a grip on us the we way it does We were content now. to lay on our backs and look at the sky. That's all we needed. And kick our feet up in the air. So yeah, I, you know, I, I definitely, that's part of it for me too. I think the things that I've been really conscious about since, like it, since the new year is um, politics and COVID. And when I say that, I don't mean I don't care about these things. Um, I mean that they had taken up so much room in my brain Mm. that I had to turn them down a bit. Mm. So this is a good example of it doesn't mean, do I still care about politics? Yes. And do I still read Twitter and read, you know, what Maggie Haberman is writing? Yes. Um, And do I still care about being thoughtful about COVID and wearing a mask and reading about the most recent research and vaccines? Yes, I care. But they were so overwhelming that I would find myself reading about these things too much. And I had to to save my own um, uh, energy. I had to turn them down a bit. And it's still some days, it's been easier in the last couple of weeks. I'm still reading the Tribune in the morning, and I st- so it's like I still am getting the information I need, but I feel like there's less chaos for obvious reasons because yeah. um, we don't have someone yelling at us on Twitter every day about the horrible things that are going to happen. Um, and so it's been a little easier to do. Like I, I've been helped by situational, you know, by what's going on in the country, but it can still, we can still get, you know, for my teens, like one of my daughters is like, I refuse to put TikTok on my phone or yeah, TikTok on my phone. She's like, cause that will take up all of my energy. Yeah. And she's not saying I don't like TikTok. She's saying that will just take everything, all my time, all my energy. And that's a good awareness for her where one of my other daughters has it on her phone and she can take it or leave it. So it just depends on who you are. Do you know, one of our kids sets an alarm in the morning. So they wake up and then they look at their phone mm-hmm. and they set 
she sets her alarm for 10 minutes to tell her to get off of the phone because, and I'm surprised that she has the forethought and the discipline to do such a thing. Well, and you know what I love that she taught me, this same daughter that you're referring to, is that you can also put a label on your alarm. Mm. Did you know that? Mm-mm. Okay, so you set your alarm and then you can label it. So when the alarm goes off, you look at your phone and it has a message for you. Got it. So she sets her alarm and says, get up now. It will feel better than falling back asleep. Mm. So she gives herself affirmations with her alarm. Nice job. So she taught me how to do that. So I do, good morning, I love you. Mm, of course you did, sweetie. <laughs> I like to say good morning, I love you. Um, okay, what else? Um, so I think that's a good way to end. I'll just kind of wrap it up again. Um, these things that we're talking about, you know, three three things we can do and underneath them are three things. We can practice self-care in three different ways every day. We can figure out what we care about most and where we want to focus most of our attention, three things or, or more. Um, and then what we want to care a little bit less about so we're not so overwhelmed by it and then it takes away from our ability to care about the things we really care about. If you've written these things out, if you're someone who likes to write these things out, put it on your mirror in your bathroom or, you know, journal about it or, um, you know, put it on a post-it in your office so you can remember. And remember, it'll change. Like, you don't need to stick to it like, you know, it doesn't have to be like a goal. It can be more of this is today. This is what I want to focus on today. And then taking actions to, you know, to make them be true. You know, like if you have a day where you're like, I could work 20 more minutes or I could go talk to my daughter over there. Well, I know that what's most important to me is my relationships. So the choice is easy. Yeah. You know, it's easy. Um, And then these things, you know, that we're learning through this process of, and again, this falls under the empathy volume, is we can talk about them with our kids and our partner. You can tell your kids that you're doing this. You can suggest they do it with you. They may not want to. Don't force them. Um, you can talk to your therapist about these things. This can be a structure for your therapy. Um, I know a lot of people will say to me they don't want to go to therapy because they don't know what they're going to say when they get in there. <laughs> and I'm like, you don't have to really do that because the therapist will help you. But if you want a structure, say, I want to talk about these things. Yeah. Um, so again, today, this week um, is about empathy volume and how to turn it up. And if you are a part of Team Zen, um, we'll be talking about this more on Team Zen. Through our Facebook page, we post resources. Through our you know Zen Talks, we talk about, we discuss these things. Um, so if you appreciated this conversation and you want more of it, you can join Team Zen actually for free if you use coupon code friend, um, you get one month free. And just scroll up on the show notes and it takes two seconds. So that's it, Todd Adams. Um, speaking of Todd Adams, if there's any guys out there, uh, I do one-on-one coaching. First session is free. Go to toddadamscoaching.com. I would love to uh, have a initial session to see if there's a good fit. So check that out. And then uh, the bald-headed beauty, Jeremy Kraft. He's going to be here. He's going to be here um, tomorrow, uh-huh. actually. Yeah, we're getting new carpet in our basement. So um, Avid Company, 630-956-1800, avidco.net. Uh, anything else? No, just um, have a wonderful week, and we will talk to you more about empathy. Next week, we'll actually talk about how to turn it down if you're getting burned out. Yeah. So we'll go to the other side. All right, keep trucking. Thanks for listening, everyone. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And feel free to leave a five-star review. It helps people find us. The best part of what we do is getting to spend time with our listeners in an awesome community of parents who have come together over at Team Zen. 
TeamZen is a great opportunity to connect as much as you want with a group of like-minded parents, and you'll even get exclusive content from Kathy and me. Find out more about TeamZen on our site, zenparentingradio.com. We know your inbox needs more hopeful and helpful info, so sign up for the Zen Parenting Moment. Two times a week, you'll receive a quick read that will boost your day and improve your outlook. Sign up at zenparentingradio.com. While men and women, moms and dads, parents and non-parents are all welcome here at ZPR, we know most of our followers are female and moms. So today we're shouting out an opportunity that's just for the guys. Men Living creates opportunities for men to gather together to give and get support and build friendship. I am one of the founders of the group and you'll find me every week helping facilitate our virtual meeting on Wednesday nights at 7.30. Interested or want to share the details with someone you love? You can find the Zoom link at menliving.org. Ready for a Gen X view of personal growth? Join us for Pop Culturing, our podcast filled with humor, fun, and a characteristic emphasis on self-awareness as we explore movies, TV, and pop culture. And don't forget, I coach guys. So if you're interested, head on over to toddadamscoaching.com and schedule a one-on-one session. First session is free. Finally, I want to give a special thanks to our founding partner, Jeremy Kraft. He's a bald-headed beauty, and the company he has is Avid. They do painting and remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area. Go to avidco.net or give them a call at 630-956-1800. Thanks for all your love and support, and keep on trucking.